This is mistake number one. I've left the gadget. Before I start, I just want to say, this is extra, sorry guys. There are some times when you wouldn't even get to a sermon if you didn't have other people praying for you to prepare it. So before I even start, I want to say thank you to you lot for always praying for our preachers. And I would especially like to thank Tandy this week, which will probably terribly embarrass her. But she has encouraged me with stories of what God's been doing in her life. And she has persistently prayed for me this week. So my thanks to Tandy, who I think is not here, so at least she won't be embarrassed by hearing it while she's here. We've been on a journey, a journey about discipleship. Being a disciple is the most rewarding, exhilarating and joyful adventure in the world as we draw near to God in deeper and fuller ways. Today, that's good, is the last of a whole series of 13 sermons about learning to live like Jesus and follow him. Following him so that he can enable us to fish for people. And there's a great urgency to that. Anyone who does not have Jesus is perishing, dying just as surely as people drown in a rough sea, if not rescued, dead in their sins, just as we all were until we encountered and responded to the loving, saving love of Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Dead unless we get in the boat and receive the new start, the new life that we're freely offered. So what have we learnt about being followers of Christ in the last 13 sermons on it? About living like him and loving like him, about bringing others to the Father like him. We've looked at three areas. Our relationship with God We come to church first and foremost to worship him. The connection upwards, as it were. We've learnt about transformation within, being changed individually and as a community as we relate to him and live ever more, increasingly more, in love with him and with one another. And we've learnt about our calling outwards, We love because he first loved us, before we ever thought about him. And then we go outwards and we take that love to others to be a blessing as he has blessed us. People follow many things. Maybe rock stars, maybe football heroes, maybe football teams that they're passionate about supporting and watching and checking their fortunes up and down. Maybe great cooks with new recipes and methods. Maybe following people. Maybe some end up living their lives for people such as partners, parents, children, holier-seeming people such as great religious leaders or dare I say it, even ministers. There's nothing wrong with respecting or admiring other people's skills or God at work in other people and learning from them. But if they take 
the place of God in our lives and become our first love, then that is idolatry and we're treading a dangerous, destructive road. Nothing or no one should ever take God's place in our life. And if you think about it, it's pretty foolish to let them when we think about who God is. So how do we ensure that the one we are ultimately following, the one that is unquestionably worth following, is in his rightful place as top dog? How do we ensure our lives are in line with his teaching? We've looked at praying, keeping in constant communication with God, unceasing prayer, listening, speaking, sensing, honouring him, thanking, celebrating, asking, interceding, silent, in awe before him. Repenting, receiving forgiveness, all of it so we remain always in a never broken connection to him in his beautiful presence. We've looked at reading his word, being soaked in it, letting it transform our minds and our lives, seeking to understand it and apply it, learning about him and ourselves through it. We've looked at hearing God's voice, using all our senses, seeing him in creation and pictures, using our minds to hear him, recognising his voice through others, and even in our own spoken words, sensing and feeling his presence. We've looked at drawing close through praise and worship, refreshed by new visions of his glory, all that he is, the great I am, such beauty such perfection. And as we get to know him more and we live in a more fully obedient walk with him, he changes us inside, if we're willing to let him. He changes us as we learn the story of him and his people from the beginning to the end of time, his wonderful plans, creation, salvation, restoration. He's always there with his loving care. He changes us as we realise who we are in him, chosen, adopted, beloved, children filled with all that the Spirit brings to us. Changed from glory to glory, as we turn away from all that stops our journey onwards with him, rejecting anything and everything that gets in the way of our walk with him, and instead doing the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. He changes us as we rest in his completed work on the cross, taking good care of every part of our being, body, mind, spirit, emotion, relationships, He changes us as a family as we live together and give and go to groups and use our gifts and grow as one body. And then, as his ever-growing and developing body, we're called on outwards to ministry, mission and multiplication. Harry shared two weeks ago, we don't go straight to heaven when we turn to Christ because God chooses to keep us here so that we can work with him to bring others into the kingdom of God. We become God's handiwork of beauty, equipped to live for him the head Christ with us as the eyes, the hands, the mouth, connecting with and drawing others to him. 
We do this by finding our own gifts and using them to enrich the lives of others within the church, helping it attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and on out as salt and light in the community, dispelling the darkness and working our way through the whole dough. It's amazing how much change can be infected by something so small. Never think that what you do is not significant. We do it by taking note of what God is saying specifically to us about our own individual callings. What open doors do you have to show his love and make him known? What do I enjoy doing? God is not a harsh taskmaster. He gave us all individual personalities and gifts so that we could joyfully live for him. He loves a cheerful giver. I've come you might have life and have it in his, all its fullness. We are so very precious to him. And he wants to help us become the beautiful, God-reflecting people he created each one of us to be since before the creation of the world. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year, the season of the Lord's favour, starting from when Jesus came to earth and continuing until he comes again. As his followers, we imitate that living in the Spirit, living in such a way that we demonstrate that the kingdom of God is near We can perform miracles of healing and deliverance through the name of the one we follow, working for a just society where all are valued, proclaiming his salvation, hope to the hopeless, wholeness to the broken, comforting others with the comfort we ourselves have received from our loving Father in our times of need and trouble bringing the peace we've come to know through resting in him, bringing it into the troubled world around us, delighting in the joy of our eternal fellowship with him. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Will we become one of the workers? Will we let him send us? Do you know, I was so moved last week when we had the renewal of baptism vows. And what moved me even more, perhaps, than the individual renewal was the streams of the congregation that came up and renewed their vows. I felt a real sense of the Spirit moving last week because you are the people of God and I know he is working in you and using you and taking you forwards in him. We will not always receive a positive response when we go out for him. Sometimes we will face rejection. Sometimes we'll go to places and people where we are not welcome. And yet he reassures us, he who listens to you listens to me. What a statement that we should have such authority 
invested in us by him. And conversely, he who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. That's a sad place. Indeed, our hearts break with God's own when people do not receive his offer of life, of freedom from all that binds and ensnares and robs them of good things. We are told not just to be disciples, but also to go out and make disciples, teaching them about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our incredible God, teaching them to obey him, teaching them that his presence is always with us. Jesus walked with particular people and taught them. He walked with his inner three closely with James and Peter and John. He walked with his 12 selected apostles who he lived among and who lived alongside him for three years. And he walked with the wider group of today's passage who were sent out ahead of him in pairs to every place he was about to go. What a privilege to be a herald for the King of Kings. And we share that privilege if we only choose to go where he sends. I'm doing a module at the moment which is about worship. And my particular current assignment is the place of scripture in worship. And I'm not going to speak about that whole of that passage that we had read today. But I believe the scripture can speak for itself. And it was read brilliantly for us today. So go away and have another look and hear what God is saying through that passage of scripture. We are called to multiply, not just Christians, people who know Christ, but to multiply disciples, people who live for him, who follow him, who learn from him day by day and go on growing. Jesus taught his disciples to follow him by living with them for three years. So they watched him and learnt and then They shared his ministry. They did it alongside him. And then he sent them out to do it without him, as it were, like in today's passage. And then he gave them feedback and encouraged them and helped them grow. And then finally, we get on and we teach others to do the same. So that there is a cycle that goes round and round. So watch it. Get people to watch what you're doing. If we want to make disciples, they've got to walk with us. They've got to see what we're doing and learn from us. So get them alongside you in your ministries, in what you do every day, and let them watch you and learn. Let them share in your ministry as they go on. Let them work with you so that they can learn to do it themselves. Let them do it on their own. Empower them to do it. Trust them. It's not always easy to delegate and to rely on somebody else. They might not do it exactly the way you do it, but till we trust people and let them grow, 
We will not grow new disciples. Encourage them, give them feedback, help them. Sure, tell them if they're doing something which is horrendous. But it may be that you were doing something that was horrendous and that they're doing it better than you. We need to learn to trust one another and let them grow. And then they also can go and make other disciples. And we can rejoice as we see that multiplication going out. So we've entrusted someone, they go on and make new disciples while we carry on making new disciples. And the whole thing takes off into a massive expansion of God's kingdom. Of course, we're never actually alone. I wonder who's investing in you and I wonder who you're investing in as we continue to grow towards maturity, to full fruitness in the presence of God. We're actually never sent out on our own. We're always sent out with the Holy Spirit within us, empowering us. And he produces in each one of us the marks, the fruits of God's people, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Holy Spirit also always gives us his gifts, unique gifts to use. Any of that list and far more beside. We might have any of those that he's invested in us, but we all have them. So look for your gifts and use them. And so with those gifts, we go on and fulfill our vision. You've seen this a few times in the last few weeks, but there it is again, the vision of Pip and Jim's to engage with a renewed or charismatic way of life, including Sunday worship, to connect with our local community, to be a church which resources other churches, and upholding our values, our prayer life, If you don't prioritise prayer, you're going nowhere, folk. If you're not in touch with him, first and foremost, and listening to him and going where he's taking you and changing as he changes you, you're going nowhere. So for goodness sake, for God's sake, not, well, for goodness sake and God's sake, prioritise prayer and the Lord's kingdom will come. Love God and love your neighbour. Let the gospel be the only stumbling block, not something else that we put in people's way. Let the spirit convict and not the church condemn. It's so easy to judge others, but I always think of that thing that if you're pointing one finger forwards, then three fingers are pointing back at you. Do not judge, but trust God to show you how to encourage and how to give you words that help other people to grow. And then what we've said again, that all of us are called, all of us are equipped. Every person here is a missionary. There isn't an opt-out clause for Christians. We're all part of his body, doing his work. And we continue to teach others. Paul taught many as he went round on his travels, Timothy being one of them. And he made Timothy into a disciple who would make disciples, despite Timothy's probably seeming nervousness and insecurity. Paul equipped him. Paul said to him, go, I'm trusting you. You go and teach also. And so we're called to make the most of every opportunity to make Christ known. We have just one coming up. 
go and find someone to invite. If they say no, they say no. If you don't ask, they're definitely not coming. Go and find people to invite. Pray that God shows you people so we can get that stadium full of people to hear God's message that day. Take advantage of all the things our parish does. I couldn't get pictures of all of them. I'd have liked to have had a kaleidoscope of the whole lot, but I didn't have time. So this is just a couple of examples. Waterlace, Slade Sings, Breakaway Lunch, Children's Work. Whatever, whatever the church is doing, pitch in with it and join in with God's work using the gifts he's given you. We have incredible power because the Spirit of God lives in us. He sent us to give good news to the poor, sight to the blind, healing to the lame, release to the captives, proclaim that since Jesus came, this is the year, the season of the Lord's favour. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Lord, help us to trust in, appropriate, grasp that power at the times when we're under attack, when the enemy pulls out all the stops against us to stop us achieving God's plans and purposes. When the enemy tries to stop us blessing others by putting in our hearts nitpicking things about other people or whatever his strategy is in your life, stand against it in God's authority. We have his power. We are ambassadors for him. We are doing his work, listening to his promptings. Just as Jesus said, I only do what the Father does. He spoke what God spoke. He did what God did. And he did it for his Father's glory always. And yet Jesus says, don't rejoice that your name's Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If our focus moves to ourselves and how God is using us, we're heading in the wrong direction. It should never be about us. It should always be about him. Sometimes as we search for or enjoy the right ministry, the right direction for our lives, we can start to focus on what we're achieving Maybe an event goes well, lots of people come and have a good time. Our work seems effective. We appear to be blessing others by it. We're excited, we rejoice. It's good to celebrate, but if it becomes our focus, then we're moving in the wrong direction. And in the difficult times, then what do we focus on? Do we focus on the fact we're not achieving? We get down, we want to give up, we lose our faith in God because things don't appear to be successful. Whose work is it and who is our first love? Are we in what we do to establish our identity or because we've already got one in him? Beloved sons and daughters of the king, do we work for him because he's given us value or because we're trying to gain it? Whose glory are we working for, ours or his? 
Colossians 3.17 tells us, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our ultimate joy, the ultimate purpose of all we do, is to be with and to stay with him for all eternity, the one who is ever exalted and ever to be praised. Our journey of discipleship begins and ends forevermore in the presence of the one we follow, along with all those we've helped to bring with us on the way.